You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the APC podcast here at AcmePackingCompany.com, part of SB Nation and Box Media, talking Packers all of the time. The only Green Bay Packers podcast on the internet. Don't Google that. I know that joke's not funny, but I'm going to beat it to death. I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter, holding it down in Albuquerque, New Mexico, with an elderly cat sleeping behind me, perhaps snoring audibly. We'll find out in post-production. No Alex Patakis today on the show. He is uh, stuck at work. He mentioned something about a pesky salesperson, so insert your Dunder Mifflin joke here. Um, But... Courtesy of our fabulous engineer, Amber Watson, over at the Craig Newmark School of Journalism in New York City, we are joined by Ben Foldy. Ben, how are you, man? I'm doing all right. I'm still a little sick, but not my voice is slightly improved from last time. You sound good to me. Ready to talk some draft. It is draft season, after all. And this is uh, one of two episodes we're going to do. We're going to focus on the offense here today. The Packers have 10 total picks in the draft. That's two firsts. One second, a third, two fourths, a fifth, two sixths, and a seventh. That is a lot of swings at the plate. And uh, rather than trying to sort of cram the entire textbook into your head the the night before the big test, we kind of thought it would be fun and a bit easier to digest to sort of make things a little bit more bite sized. So we're sort of calling this names to know on offense heading into the into the draft. And uh, you know, we'll talk defense next week with Justice Mosqueda. But today. Uh, we have the privilege of being joined by our good friend, Jake Ogden, at Seeds of Jake on Twitter. Jake, how are you, man? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on again. It's our pleasure. You're a scholar and a gentleman. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Longtime listeners will know Jake from uh, his draft insights last year. But uh, Jake, for the newbies, maybe give us the Cliffs notes on kind of who you are and uh, what kind of content maybe people can expect from you if they're following you. I, I worked at uh, Columbia university for for a year or so working with sort of like just scouting video video scouting and stuff yeah preparing each week and then working with uh with their scout team and then and then my friend now works over at uh, army cool all right uh well let's jump in so the packers have a what a 12th picking 12th and 30th i think as it stands i think rather than try to predict who who will go at any given point is a fool's errand but if we kind of take the bob mcginn approach and say oh these are names that'll go in the top 100 um what are some names that you think would interest the packers uh on the on the early on day one kind of names well i mean we've kind of seen a little bit now with with Budikens, but he's it's being a little bit more open with how he uses the, the top 30 visits so we've seen what is it like i think by my count it's been five offensive linemen that are probably going to go in the top 50 that they've taken a look at which is Andre Dillard, uh, Jonah Williams, Caleb McGarry. So I think I think if a guy I got for like the twelfth overall pick, I, I would I would assume that they're going to look for a guy like 
my my favorite offensive lineman in, in this class is Andre Dillard. I just think he's yeah. And I know people are kind of like a bit nervous of that it could be the next Jason Spade because he's tested off the charts. And and the problem is he is he's a pretty much a left tackle. He's only played left tackle. Um, so that's the the big concern. Can he switch over to right tackle if they took him? And then there's Jonah Williams. But a lot of these guys did not test like did not beat the Packers threshold. So it's a bit kind of all over the place. Like uh, Jawan Taylor didn't test. Yeah. So we don't really know. And he's a strictly right tackle. So I would say if they do like, and they don't, they typically go after guys that are left tackles and then convert them. So yeah, exactly. If I had to put my money on it, like if they really wanted to take a, a, a tackle at 12, it'd probably be Andre Dillard. It seems the only name that kind of makes sense, both in terms of the Packers thresholds and the kind of demonstrated left tackle tendency. Is Cole Madison a left tackle in college? No, he was he was strictly a right tackle, and they moved. Him yeah, back. so it, it is possible that they moved away from that a little. That's what I was kind of thinking, and that's when they brought in Jonah Williams. I was like, maybe they will put in. Like they could. I mean, I would love Jonah Williams. You could instantly put him at right tackle. Well, you could put him at right guard. Or, or, or obviously when at some point when um, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Brian Bulaga. <laughs> yeah, Bulaga. I don't know why I just blank, but Bulaga, yeah. He's, at some point, he's going to be injured Yeah, during the season. So you could plug in someone like Johnny Williams. Well, there's a certain set of Packer fans that already want to forget Brian Bulaga's name, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a weird. That's I the cut Bulaga truthers is a is a weird thing. I don't totally get. Yeah, no, I he's a great player. He just has just has injury concerns. His knees are made of dust at this point, but he's still a great player. Yeah, I mean, and why would you not take the cheap games you can get out of him? I just don't understand the logic of trying to move on um, for for a lot. You know, it's I I think if any team can handle some turnover historically on the line, you know, you know, I don't, I don't know where the next lane Taylor is, but the Packers probably do. Yeah. Although I guess last year was kind of an indictment of trusting that the Packers know what's going on with their offensive line at some point. Right. But so, okay. So Andre Dillard, I think would make sense on the OL at 12. What are some other names that you've been looking at? Well, obviously the, the two big common names have been the Iowa Titans, which yeah. is TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fenn. I personally think that, that Noah Frank would be a better fit. I, I totally understand why people want TJ Hawkinson, and he's a great blocker. He's a great. He's probably an overall better player right now if you yeah. put him in the offense. But I think the ceiling for Noah Frank is so high. Just from the athletic profile? Just from the athletic profile, and, and, and I get it. Like, he's more of like a – he's more like a, a typical – like a, He's like an out-wide – he's like a McCarthy uh, – you know, I mean, if if you're gonna sign Jimmy Graham, you might as well sign, you know, draft Noah Fant. I think <laughs> exactly. Like he's he's basically a flex tight end right now, but he can block, and he doesn't get enough credit that he is actually a decent blocker. Yeah, he can be the type of guy like he is the Jared Cook, but a better blocker. Yeah, it's a little hard to tell about. You know, on top of the Ted Thompson turnover, you have now the why am I blanking on the new coach's name? Like a total idiot, Matt Lafleur. Um, yeah, Lafleur. I kept wanting to say Lefebvre, and I'm like, no, that's too Quebec. Hey, welcome, welcome to blanking on that. <laughs> yeah, so Matt, like, but like, if it's hard to know what Lafleur's tendencies are too, because he wasn't necessarily in a position to call the shots on personnel in Tennessee. Right. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't have any say of what they were like. He just had to fall into what they had. So it's really it's it's pretty difficult to know. You know, you should kind of try to look for some consistencies across those teams, right? It's like 
you know, for all I know, he wants an Austin Hooper tight end. You know, he was on that. He helped put that team together. But, you know, but he does, you know, I guess when you look at it, the Shanahan offenses, like the teams that he's been a part of have all, have all managed to run through the tight end pretty effectively. Jordan Reed, you know, George Kittle kind of busted out for, for the Niners under Shanahan last season. Johnny Smith, I think, is the best tight end prospect of two years ago. Um, like he's, he's who I wanted the Packers to take in the third round. Yeah, he was a part of that great class. Yeah. Everyone keeps talking about that this is this class, and it's like, it's not really. I, I think outside the Iowa tight end, maybe Jay Sternberger, it falls off pretty, pretty drastically. Yeah, it's so front-loaded, I think. But the front-loading is really, like, quality. Like, I don't really see either of those guys missing. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm partial to Hawkinson, I think, um, but mostly because I don't know exactly what LaFleur wants to do with tight ends in the new offense, and because I think that, you know, just the older Rodgers gets, the the more you can have a player on the field you can trust as a blocker and and throw more wrinkles into the playbook like that, I think that's okay. No, it, it, it makes a ton of sense to have someone like Hawkinson. One, it helps out. It helps out, like you said, to help pass protection, but it yeah. also helps in how, like, Hawkinson is ridiculous at blocking. And he yeah, creates yeah. such great cutback lanes. And guess who is Mr. Cutback? Is Aaron, Aaron Jones. Jones. Like, yeah. He's off the cutback. So I yeah. could see them just saying that, like, hey, like, we're going to take Hawkinson at 12 because it adds to our offense in so many other ways. That, and he can, we can take time to develop him in the passing game. We can put him on the field because we know he's a, a dependable blocker. So yeah. I think that that is maybe the reason that they go for someone like him over Noah Fan. Like, that they, they have to have a whole separate game plan for him. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that's interesting, too, is that, is that this is not really a – this doesn't seem like a great draft for the the normal kind of high premium positions, right? It's more so. It's, it's I mean, it's heavy on the defense side. Yeah. I mean, the wide receiver class. I mean, we'll get to it eventually, but the wide receiver class, I think, is scary. What What I like about the wide receiver class is that I think you can get some of the best names on the board, not in the first round. Oh, absolutely. I think the thirty to the forty four range is like. It's pretty nice. Yeah, we'll 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 get to that. So I guess uh, so. Let's agree. I think I think we're agreed that Packers don't go. I'm not certain the Packers go on the offensive side of the ball at all at twelve. But if they do, they're not going at wide receiver or running back. I think that's pretty safe to say, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely not running back. Definitely not quarterback. Um, if they do go offensive line. I, I guess by by the thresholds that we've seen and how Budokens likes his athletes, the only guy that I can see that makes sense is Andre Dillard. But I tend to think that they don't do that, and I think, and that's why I'm kind of like, is it is the value is it worth it to take a tight end just overall the grand scheme of things? I don't know either. And I mean, I think I at think, thirty at thirty that makes sense. If Hawk or Fant falls to thirty, I can easily see the Packers making that move. Yeah, or trading up from thirty makes sense. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of DK, and, and if it just you have to have a certain game plan for DK if you do take him at twelve. Yeah, I'm not. I guess I don't. I don't see him adding as much to the Packers as I do other players in the draft at positions of need. But I'm probably higher on a few. I'm I'm both higher on the Packers' existing options, and I'm higher on people later in the draft than I maybe should be. Because I uh, so I guess so. It, it, I think 30 is as good a place as any to start talking about the second round, too. Like, I think that if I, if Ted Thompson were in charge of this team, I would have a difficult time believing that 
he did not take JJ Arcega uh Whitehead at at in the second round. He's got he's like exactly the Packers kind of old Ted Thompson second round profile kind of guy to me. Yeah, I mean, well he he will take a while to develop. You think? I think so. He's more of a jump ball kind of receiver. Mm-hmm. He'll take time. I mean, I think his his hands are are are, are really nice and that's probably his best attribute, but I mean, at Stanford, it's usually throw those jump balls. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the one thing I worry about. Now, he tested pretty well um, at his pro day. I guess he was going through something. He didn't test at the combine. Um, but, like, and that's, like, in your, in your mind, your range at 44 would be someone like him. Well, I just, to me, it's, like, the classic Ted Thompson second-round guy where it's, like, he's kind of shied off the bigger names. Like, to me, the comp is kind of Jordy Nelson with him. Probably takes a couple of years, but the physical tools are there. Yeah, I could kind of see it. One guy I could see it, but if if he, if he tested well, which I'm so I'm so bummed that he didn't, which is Kelvin Harmon. I thought he reminded me a ton of Jordan. Was who? He, Kelvin Harmon. He say I thought he he his ball his like sideline awareness his ball skills just are so Jordy esque. Yeah, but he, he just didn't test well at all. So I, I don't think he's remotely on the Packers radar. So what about do you think is is second round is is not too early for I mean do you think Nikhil Henry drops that far? I don't. I think I think if you like Nikhil Henry is one of my favorite prospects in this class, and I think that he's one of those guys that I don't know how much he's going to contribute early, um, just because of his limited route running, mm-hmm. um, and he's more of a jump ball guy. I mean, he struggles to separate sometimes, um, but his like his ball skills, like his like big playability, is unmatched compared to other players in this class. And I think he reminds me a ton of of Devontae Adams coming out of Fresno, especially yeah. how they use him, which was goal balls, hit you, um, maybe a, like a drag. Like that's all he was used. And I think that like I mean, and, and smoke screens too. So I, I think that if you have if you have a specific route diet for a guy like Nikhil Harry. I think he could be like, especially if you already have an established receiver like Devontae, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be forced into being like this guy that he's probably not. Yeah. And hopefully, you've got, you, he needs to go to a, a like, hopefully, a good sort of team that can coach him. Unlike Dallas, which they didn't teach Des, <laughs> they taught him, like, I guess, a rudimentary uh, uh, route tree. So hopefully, mm-hmm. he needs to go to a place that can sort of, you know, perfect his skills. And I think that, that he would be a really great fit. But I think they would have to they would have to move up to go get him in the first round. I think move goes, up from thirty. Yeah, I think he goes earlier than people think. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, I think he's probably the best wide receiver prospect in this in this draft. I mean, I guess it sounds like maybe you think DK Metcalf is better. I I mean, they're they're both they're they're somewhat similar in a way. Like DK is the same sort of situation, but instead he's only lined up on the left side at yeah. this. He's ran like what three routes. But he's he's an elite deep set, and, yeah, and he's, he's like physically a, just an, a machine. Like he's on he is a line. machine, and he's another one of those things that I think he he needs to take time to develop and be in the right the right system, the right system, right fit, whatever you whatever you want. But I think that Nikhil Harry, I think give him two years in a in a system with a with a an already established wide receiver one. I mean, he's going to be special. Yeah, because you can you can give him time, and I think I think in a year or two he's going to be. Like he's gonna be in that like Devontae, Allen Robinson sort of like tier. I mean, he's a good player. 
And then uh, what are some other names you're thinking in the second, third round, maybe? I would say I would say second round. I think uh, a guy like that, I, the guy you could start right away, and the only problems with him are, are injuries and age, which is Debo Samuel. I yeah. think he is. I think he's going to be a star right away. He's a guy you can plug and play right away. Like he is just such. He's probably, the, in my opinion, he's the best route runner in the class. Strong too. Oh my god! I mean, he's built like I guess some people have compared him to Randall Cobb. I can kind of see it, but I mean, he's twenty times bigger than Randall Cobb, and he's about two two and a half inches uh, taller than Randall. So I mean, he is rocked up, and yeah. he can run. His feet are his footwork is absurd. So I really like him at forty four. Um, I tend to think that AJ Brown slips a little bit. And maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not as high on AJ Brown as others. I mean, I really do like AJ Brown, and I think it fits the mold of what the Packers were were looking for as a big slot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he could be there around 44. Um, and is it too early to take Andy Isabella at 44? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wait till okay. But but I, I mean, I, I I I'm guessing you're a fan of. I, I think Andy Isabella makes sense, but I, I think 44 is too early for him. Um, I, I, I mean, don't he's think day, he's a day two, by the season, for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody does take him that early, but I don't think anybody necessarily should, if that makes sense. Like, I could see a team being really high on him and being like, yeah, we'll take it. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, he can probably go late, late two, early, early three. I mean, yeah. that's probably his range. Um, I mean, I like him at 75. I think yeah. he's. He's another guy that like is he can go inside outside, but he's just a small. I think he's like what five eight. He's, he's a, yeah five nine ish or something. He's yeah he's I mean, definitely he, small. Yeah, I mean if I if I was gonna get Andy Isabella at thirty five, I'd rather go try to get uh, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown, you said? Yeah, I'd rather go try to get him and like trade up because I think he's gonna go anywhere between twenty one and thirty. I'm guessing. Which I'm kind of surprised because he's, he's what, 5'9", 166 pounds, and coming mm-hmm. off a, a broken foot. So th- this is going to be, like, unprecedented that we get this small of a receiver to go on the first year. Yeah. I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. that. To me, that seems like the kind of thing that the NFL, not like the group think, might kind of conspire against him going in the first just because, it, you know, the size thing it's a big ask i think you know like it's like somebody coming off an injury right like it's like you you've you've you got the guaranteed money in the first round you've always got that it always seems like nfl teams are more are more uh risk averse just like the first round stigma almost of of certain players like they'd you know somebody not the the stigma of having a first round or not pan out is enough to kind of make some people wait till the second round for players who are first round talents, you know, because of something like size or injury or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. So I guess what, we're up through 75. Uh, what are some other names you're, you're interested in? Uh, guy at 75, I, I would assume this is probably a bit early for some, but I would take uh, Stanley Morgan Jr. out of Nebraska. I like him. I think he is one of the, he has not gotten enough recognition. I think he's gotten. I think he's gotten more so on like Twitter, mm-hmm. but like mainstream, he has not gotten any love. And I think he's one of the best set speakers in like in this draft for receivers. What do you like about him? I mean, he posted like in terms of just like overall uh, athletic ability. Like he posted 
Like I think the best uh, like three cone, the best short shuttle. Um, he just like overall put together a really, really good sort of like um, just profile. And I mm-hmm. think that he is just the way he, like I think his routes are really good. I think uh, he's an exceptional blocker. And, and there's a couple of games I saw like two years ago when he was playing Iowa, like he went up against Josh Jackson and he smoked him for a one-handed touchdown. Mm. Like he's just uh, like, he just improves each and every year with his route. And I think he is, I think he is one of the better route runners in this class too. And he just doesn't get talked about. And he probably will go, um, I'm guessing he'll go early day three um, just because he's just not gotten enough love. And I think that he is going to surprise a lot of people. Like he's just, he's a hard worker. He's just going to be one of those guys that just, is just going to like, just stick around in the NFL for a long time. I'm rooting for, for him because uh, his, whenever I see his name, I just re- accidentally read it backwards as Morgan Stanley, which is an investment bank. So <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of nickname potential there. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking before. All right. Don't call him Morgan Stanley. Don't call him Morgan Stanley. The, I mean, it's interesting too, that if, if, if last year was a trend, right, in terms of if we're if we're taking the Gutekunst draft as a limited sample yeah. size, like day three wide receivers might be something might be you know an if an efficiency that he aims at, and that and that sounds like a name that could come up. Oh, I mean, if if this was Ted Thompson running this team, Stanley Morgan Jr. would be a Packer without a doubt in my mind. He like he is the perfect profile, like height, weight speed, everything. Like, he fits the perfect profile of what Ted Thompson wanted in a play. Yeah. Now, can I ask a question? You know, some people kind of, some people look at the Packers and they see a crowded wide receiver room at this point, while others see a need for more talent. So it sounds like you're in the, in the more talent camp or just like, why not always, always bring in as much fresh blood as you can? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, it's been like, there's been a lot of, I mean, we, we just had reporting from uh, what Rob Jamofsky and Tom Silverstein, that wide receiver is not going to be a high priority. And no offense to them, I don't think that they really know, and I don't think that we know what the Packers are going to do, what their sort of needs are. I think that we, uh, we as, as uh, news consumers, need to be very wary of anything that comes out as a fact about the way a team is or is not going to approach uh, the draft here within the, like, the, the two-week lead-up, because this is like smokescreen period, for sure. Oh, absolutely like we're yeah we're, we're seven days away and and there was like a reporting that we went to go or we we brought in andrew or Dulac. like what do you think that was it was a smoke screen like and they oh the packers you know what they're telling rob demosky all about like how they don't want to target a wide receiver they're gonna really gonna tell him that yeah. we don't know anything and they don't know anything and it's not it's not disrespect to them but it's just it's the game. It's the game. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not that anybody's like wrong. It's just the way the game is. Yeah, and and to, to answer your question about our depth, I, I think that I, I think we're one injury away, one Devontae Adams injury away from a complete nightmare. I mean, we've seen it in years past. That is totally true. Yeah, and, and it's not that I don't like MDS and I don't like EQ, and Ben knows like how much that I like EQ, and I like both of them. I even like Jamar. I mean, I'm really big on EQ. I know, and, and I think I think I think I think either EQ or MVS is going to have a huge jump. One of those guys is going to do it, but that's yeah. still not enough. Yeah, I mean, well, what about Geronimo though? I like Geronimo, but he is also on a one-year deal. Yeah, same as Jake Kumro, who's on a one-year deal. He's also twenty-seven. He's been in the NFL for three years. He has not yet 
proved anything yet. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be like that, that guy that's just like, well, he's an undrafted free agent. He's not going to make it. But it's probably likely that they don't make it. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's not to say that they can't do it, but it's just that the likelihood of it is so slim. The one place where that gets weird is I, I, I still believe that EQ is like a, is at least a day two talent that just for whatever reason slipped to where he did. Yeah. Oh, because his quarterback sucked, and it, and if and if Deshaun Kaiser stays, and they hated his they, parents. I don't know. Like I have, I have no explanation for why EQ <laughs> lasted to the seventh round, or, but or sixth round, or whatever he lasted to. But I do think that his dad had something to do with it. Oh yeah, I mean they thought that he was like the next Lavar Ball. I mean I can totally understand NFL teams staying far away from that. Yeah, I mean I think they're wrong about that, but I do, I do like. Yeah. Like to me, like just statistic, you know, statistic profile, physical profile, production, EQ is a legit talent and young. I mean, EQ is what twenty two this season, I think. He's twenty two. Marquise is, I think he's like twenty four already. He's yeah. So to me, EQ is the is the horse. If I'm if I'm betting on one of those guys for long term future, EQ's the guy. But we'll see. Yeah, it, it makes yeah it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think I think NBA well. Both guys surprised. I mean, they both slashed last year. And I think that they're both capable of being a solid, solid wide receiver. Yeah. Like opposite of Devontae. Yeah. But, I mean, to, to bet on that both of them work out or even all three of them work out is, is stupid. Yeah. And I, think that, and I think that's the same thing to say, like, you know, we have, we have Geronimo Allison on a one-year deal and same with Kumaro. Those guys don't, like, they don't factor into, like, 2000, you know, past 2019. Yep. And I think that we have to start looking at young talent. Like, so if we went after, like, I'm just saying, I, I gave a trade scenario a couple of weeks ago about how the, the CLC Hawks has four draft picks, and they're probably going to trade back. That's a prime target. We've already traded with Dan Snyder before. Mm-hmm. And moving, and let's say we do want to go get McKeel Harris, and we go move up to jump the Ravens. I think having, bringing in a guy like McKeel Harris, you can put him on special teams. You can kind of give him, you can give him a, a specific route diet and kind of a game plan for him. You can kind of help him along as he progresses. He's going to have, he's going to have to do the same thing that Devontae did with Warren Rock. It just has to, I mean, he, he, has, he has the natural ability to do it. You see it and do it like with what he has with smoke screens and all that stuff, but he has to develop more of a route tree. But I think that he would be, a, I think it'd be great to have someone like him. One thing that we've, we've, I think we're in relative agreement on is that the Packers are not going to go chasing after running back too early in the draft but there are some names I, I i think you and i have the same names that we're interested in as far as the running backs go i i i know that the name that we both agree on is is darwin thompson oh absolutely darwin darwin is like a, a life-size version of terry Cohn. yeah <laughs> and he's someone you target as a day three guy yeah he's gonna be like a day because he's like i think he's only five eight two hundred pounds um, but, yeah, but I mean, that two hundred pounds is pretty. It's like he's a he's a chunky boy. Like it's he's. Did you, that's, did you that's, see that's like, his? Did you see the Twitter picture that floated around after like after his pro day? Yeah, he looks all like like he's rocked. rocked up. Yeah, uh, and he's, then but he's he's also I mean he's he's what he's got twenty pounds on Tariq Cohen I think. Oh, easily. I don't think Tariq Cohen's even one ninety. He's like getting more and he's more Dugger not than uh, <laughs> yeah, he muscle hamster than. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's he's rocked out. He would be paired like I I don't think that they're gonna I don't think the Packers are gonna be touching a running back um, in the first round 
uh, in day two. I think they're going to, I think that they will, they have to get one at some point. Yeah. I mean, you have 10 picks. If you don't come away with a running back, you don't understand the NFL kind of, um, I, I, you know, Darwin Thompson, I guess one of the things that I, I, so he's more, I think I read an interview with him or something. He was comparing himself to Jarek McKinnon, which I thought was an interesting comp. That's good. That's a pretty good one, actually. Yeah, and but, I and I think he's a I think he's a, a, a more of a natural runner than McKinnon because McKinnon was in like some sort of triple option weird Georgia State shit. Yeah. Good. Well, and Cohen was kind of Cohen is a little more like that too, the kind of gadgetry. Yeah. But it's like I think that, and this is another thing where it's hard to tell with Lafleur, right? Like. Does he want a Dion Lewis? Does he want, you know, like, is that his call? Did he want to build that offense? But, but Thompson seems to me to be kind of, and Alex, if he were here, I know would, would be on this trip too, that the contemporary NFL timeshare pass catching value back, like Darwin Thompson is about as good as you can get. And especially in a week running back year, like, like this year, mm-hmm. um, Thompson is is kind of the guy that I would be excited coming away with on day three. I know that you're you've been a Miles Gaskin truther for a long time. That's literally your Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah, I mean I love Miles Gaskin. I'm a bit disappointed that he he didn't test as well as I thought he would, but but I think that it's been proven that the you don't necessarily need these freak athletes to be good running backs. Yeah, and I think just I think Miles Gaskin like most of these running backs and most players just need to right land in the right sort of right scheme, right coaching, et cetera. And I think Miles my, my Gaston could be, I mean, I would love him if we could get him. I think he'd be a perfect fit for the zone scheme. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he just didn't test as well as I thought he would. Yeah. But I, I think he was dealing with in, like a bunch of injuries last year. Yeah, so, I, I, he, he, I, I think he would have been a lot better suited coming out last year than, than this year. Yeah, I'm not sure why he did that. I mean, he, a lot of these guys, like, Bryce Love got dinged up too, and Rodney Anderson got booked. He wasn't. He wasn't. A, he couldn't enter the draft last year. But, but still, you get there's the talented players right now are like actually like dinged up. Like mm-hmm. I think I think Bryce Love is probably the best running back in this class if he didn't uh, tear his ACL. And then exactly. he's got all these ankle injuries. So I'm a bit like once you get like when you get guys that are like five to eight and they're like barely 200 pounds and they start already having ankle and knee injuries. That's when you start to get concerned. But I think he could be, I mean, to me, he is a Deion Lewis type of player. Mm-hmm. So if, if LaFleur does want to mimic what he did in, in Tennessee, I mean, they could take a late, like I'm talking like probably a six-round pick, you could probably get Bryce Love and yeah. just have him in there. And I don't think he'll be ready until the end of training camp if they're lucky still. But he would be a player that would be kind of fun um, that could match that. I think uh, – I also really like that it. it's been kind of a little bit late in the process, but I really love Miles Sanders from Penn State. Miles Sanders, you said? Yeah, I really yeah. like him. I think I think his profile, his athletic profile, he tested the best out of that in any any running backs. I think overall, mm-hmm. like his athletic profile is insane. Um, I think if if Lafleur wanted like a bigger, uh, more in between the tackles, but also shifty, and you can use him in the passing game, because I think Lafleur. Definitely made a point to say that like he wanted a no matter what his running backs that they they had it was it's a nice added dimension to in the passing game. I think that I think his he needs backs that can catch. Yeah, so I think that he it'd be nice to have a guy that you can a two hundred and twenty pound guy you could pair with Aaron Jones. Well, 
it sounds like Derrick Henry kind of, right? Like, I mean, and again, I'm wary of falling too much into this. Like, well, you know, the 2019 Packers are going to look like the 2018 Titans. But I do think that I look at Jamal Williams and I look at Aaron Jones and I'm like, okay, I can see like the vague resemblance from Derrick Henry. And I mean, I think Derrick Henry is more of a physical freak. Yeah, I mean, he's like a what, six foot three, 250 yeah. pound freak. Like he is a train running at you. I don't think Miles, Miles Sanders has some sort of like, uh, like he's got uh, nice footwork. His running style is super smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not look like a 200 pound back, but he runs like he, he can hit you, but he's, he's got really nice feet. So I think I, that he would be an interesting thing. I do have to say that I think both of us last year were, were reasonably high on Chase Edmonds and we were probably right about that. Yeah. I mean, he looked good around this time of year. What are some other names you're, you're interested in later in the draft? So like a, a guy that I like super late that has gotten a little buzz on Twitter, but not mainstream is uh, a tight end out of, uh, uh, what is it? San Jose State, which is Josh Oliver. Mm-hmm. What do you like about him? I just think he's he's a guy you can kind of develop over time. Like he's he's what six foot five, two hundred fifty pounds. His athletic profile is much better than any like uh, what Irv Smith, um, Jace uh, Sternberger. He just tested so well, and I think he he did well at the Senior Bowl. I think just overall, like he's a tight end that you can develop. He's the type of guy that you can kind of put in your system late. And just see, like, if you can develop them over time. He's mm-hmm. a guy that I would, I would want over. Like, I know a lot of people kind of uh, want Foster Moreau to be like the next George Kittle. I don't really see it. I think he's a good blocking tight end, but I'm not sure if he can be the next George Kittle. Um, but someone like Josh Oliver, I think he's a guy you can really develop to become like a passing, pass catching tight end. I was going to say, in tight end, I mean, traditionally, it's been a position where it's pretty tough to have a rookie impact, and I think. It's one of those things where fans have gotten a little confused by recency bias where, you know, we had some kind of historically strong rookie tight end classes. And then even some of those guys are limited contributors early on. You know, O.J. Howard's fantastic, and and he's still, like, you know, splits time with Cameron Bray. So. Yeah, exactly. And then um, who else? David Njoku. Like, he, I mean, it, he kind of. Njoku's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. But he like, he but he he still has a long time to come on. I mean, and then you go back, you go back further. You're talking about guys like Max Williams. You're talking about, um, you know, Eric Ebron. How many people had written him off? Yeah, I mean that's yeah that's the other thing. Like he needed to he, one. It's it's all about what happens, like where these players end up in what system, how did they develop them. Like it could be a whole mess of things, and usually tight ends take off on their on their second team or second contract. Yeah, third or year, just, fourth year. Just, yeah, or they just need to be in a better system that's better suited to them. And I think yeah. that's, I think we see that. And I think, I think a lot of people forget that. It's like, it's not so much the player's fault that they land in these like shitty situations that the coaches who don't, you know, don't bend their offense to them and they force these players into these, you know, but they're not unconventional ways that they don't, they've never played before. Yeah, the Detroit Lions made Amir Abdullah bad. Yeah, which isn't, I mean, I know he dealt with injuries, but like... I don't actually think Amir Abdullah is a bad football player, but the Lions definitely made it seem that way. Are there any names that you think are really overrated or that are big red flags that the Packers should avoid that you, you know, you groan if they're taken? Oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to groan if they take Paris Campbell. Oh, okay, that's fair. Is it a size thing? What's your, what's your beef? My, my beef is that he's 
He's a guy that's like, and he's an absolute freak. Like, like his athletic profile is absurd. And I, and I get it. You could do a lot, but I think that he, his hands are terrible. Uh-huh. He's basically like a track star that basically they put him at wide receiver and just said, go. Yeah. And he just has no clue about route running. And people think that he's a deep threat. He's not. You have to put him in this slot. Like he's, he, that's all that, that's all they, they use him as like, he's like a huge gadget. Like he's a yeah. six foot gadget. And I just don't, he's a guy you have to like kind of take along. And, he, and he's also older. He's a, he's a senior. I think he's like already 23. Yeah. So like the fact that he has like, he has no, I don't know where his route running ability is right now at this age. And all he's known is this certain Urban Meyer system. And I think that that's a, that's a huge red flag for me. All right, guys, uh, a lot to chew on there and some fun options on offense. And uh, hopefully you guys at home come away feeling like you know something about some of these players and you can follow along with the with the draft and have some fun with it. Because I, I think, you know, a little knowledge certainly makes it more fun. And so to that end, Jake, thank you so much for dropping some serious knowledge on us, man. We really appreciate it. Next week, we are going to focus on the defense with Justice Mosqueda. Until then, you can follow our guest, Jake, on Twitter at Seeds of Jake. Is that right? That is correct. Follow him on Twitter and uh, follow us as well at the APC pod uh, individually at all of our names. So we'll see you guys next week to talk defense as we get ready to head into Brian Gutekunst's uh, second, second NFL draft as the GM of the Green Bay Packers. So until then, keep it locked into AcmePackingCompany.com. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Go Pack Go. Chuckle up until the